what we've seen with this sector and it, as it's evolving is that it's not very cookie cutter. I mean, you'll get a resort style, like, you know, 100 acre campus that you would never even need a car because you're never going to leave um, to uh, something that looks more like a hotel. It's a very affordable model, but everything that you could ever want to do or experience is right outside your door and it's part of the community fabric. Welcome to season six of Bridge the Gap, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by sponsors AccuShield, Align, Hamilton Captel, Service Master, Patriot Angels, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. The contributors are brought to you by Peak Senior Living and produced by Salinity Marketing. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, this senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. A great topic on today and a great guest. We want to welcome our friend Daniel Levy. He is the founder of DK Levy Architecture in Knoxville, Tennessee. Welcome to the show. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you there in studio there at the Salinity headquarters with Josh. It's a it's a fun way to do a podcast like this. Very excited to dive into a topic today uh, centered around active adult and wellness. There's been a lot of discussions over the years about all the different care acuity levels and models of what senior living is even called. Is it assisted living, independent living, skilled memory care. And now we have this category of active adult that is emerging in the space. And even that has kind of evolved into different flavors, right? You know, I've I've visited a number of active adult communities and you'll meet some 88, 89, 90-year-olds that are living an active adult. And then you can go to an assisted living and find a 65-year-old, um, which brings in the other topic of this, which is wellness. So I'll digress and uh, wanted to ask you, Daniel, as an architect in the space, in the industry, how have you seen these models evolve? Yeah, I think it's that's a great question. It's a great topic. I'm thrilled to be here talking to you guys about it today. And I think what we're, uh, what we're really seeing is really early on in the project that our clients, really from a programming standpoint, are seeing that, you know, we want to create spaces that people really live in, want to be at and thrive in. And so that's creating places where people are connected with others, their loved ones, other different age groups, as well as nature itself. And so we're really trying to open up these buildings, especially in the active adult. When we think of active adult, it's not just someone out there playing pickleball or bocce ball, but it's also having options and being connected to the community as a whole. And so it's bringing that program really at the beginning stage of conceptual design and site selection, thinking about where we can have those layers of program overlap. Where can a coffee shop be outward facing, bring in different uh, community members and not just put a senior living community on an island where you are just thinking, I'm just gonna stay in my room today. And so we're really trying to open up the communities uh, so that they're, people are engaged, families are coming and wanting to be there and our residents are thriving. Yeah, well, I had the opportunity to attend uh, a recent industry event and the whole focal point of the event was active adult. So it's on everyone's minds right now. And I know over the last several years, me and Lucas have been at these events with Bridge the Gap, interviewing people. And a lot of people were speculating and talking about plans, but it's fun to see that now these communities have actually emerged uh, at a recent event, uh, Lucas, one of the 
topics that you just brought up, which was the age, average age of a resident. And I think traditionally, when we've thought of active adult, we thought of maybe the villages or somewhere where it's a golf course community and you see all these parties and people are buying really retirement homes, 55 plus. But one of the things that became very clear to me, listening to some of the top developers, owners and operators of active adult communities across the country is that there are a lot of variety, even in the active adult field now. One provider said their average age was about 77 in their community, which means older and younger lived there, but that was the average age. And then I heard one provider, because they had a little bit different product type, was the average age was 10 years younger. It is very clear and I think great for the consumers, the aging population, that there are going to be a lot of options, but we need a, um, to do a really good job as marketers of these communities to uh, communicate what lifestyle and what options our communities are going to offer that are unique and different that appeal to those interests. So Daniel, question back to you. You are obviously here in Knoxville. You and I have worked on many projects through the years in senior housing. Uh, you're probably one of the busiest uh, senior uh, living architects that I know here in the Southeast based out of Knoxville. What are you seeing as popular amenity packages for these more active, say, active adult communities nowadays? Yeah, it's definitely project to project, but we've, we've got a project that's about an hour south of Atlanta. And what's really great about this project is um, the amenity package. Most of the ingredients for that amenity package are already there within the community itself. And so what we're creating is interaction points to bring people out. The upper two floors are the active adult resident units, but the whole ground floor and then the health hub, coffee shops and restaurants are already embedded within the community itself. So the building was strategically placed so that the, you know, some of the higher cost square footage space to typically create the nice restaurants and the options for dining and amenities, the movie theaters are already there in the community. And one of the things that I think is successful about this project is you'll have someone that's a young professional come and try and rent a unit because they want to be there too. You would never know it's a, it's an active adult community. So it's in the fabric of what's already been established. The amenity package is to draw seniors down you know, into the, into the spaces. We have gardens and courtyards that are open and uh, we lifted the building up and actually have off the main public sidewalk a portion of the building with a water feature that draws everyone from the community into that courtyard. So we didn't hide the courtyard within the building. And so I think with some small architectural moves, really early on, you know, we had that in mind is that we want everyone to be engaged. And so it trickles into every aspect of the design. So even like a stair tower, where it's typically a windowless concrete block, you know, wall construction, and you don't want anybody in the stair tower, you don't want anybody to fall on the stairs, we've, it's all glass. And so in the corridor and the exterior facing side, it's one of the areas that brings light into the, into the corridor. And it's to keep the residents active and, and using the stairs and it draws you, the, all the stairs lead into the garden spaces. We think about it through each aspect of the design. Well, one of the things that was, uh, I think, interesting is even from the construction uh, design, the architecture 
uh, as I was talking at this recent event in Dallas with multiple developers, the housing, the the physical footprint was taking a lot of options. Everything from a what looked more of a traditional multifamily um, type of construction and architecture that was vertical, um, that was just age restricted, all the way to broad, huge campus layouts that was more of a townhome, villa product, condominium looking, um, almost like residences, independent residences. What are you seeing more of the trend right now as far as the work you're getting on design project? Is it more of a a multifamily looking design and product for this population or is it more of villa product? I think it just depends on the market, you know, because we'll be in sectors where, you know, there's a lot of demand on the school systems and things. So a property will get zoned for 55 and up or senior living to not put that those demands on on some of the existing infrastructure. And the density of, of some of those properties will require a more vertical type construction. Um, but we always get excited when we see zoning or planning that's been done within a community that that has those kind of interactions and interplays between projects and everyone's kind of thinking at it uh, as a more cohesive way uh, where we can encourage those overlaps and so that's where in this one particular project you know it's not you know put townhomes over here and they have their gated community and then we'll put the multifamily project and student housing over here, but really to have everybody starting to come together um, in a way that is beneficial and and creates resident health because you have some more of those overlaps. We really like to see that when we can. So, Well, you brought up zoning. That's always a big issue when you're talking about housing development or really any development. So have you seen any unique challenges as you're working in different municipalities, different parts of the country from an educational standpoint? Is what, what level of zoning is this usually falling into? Do people look at this as more traditional assisted living, senior living, or is it falling into a different zoning category? Yeah, active adults pretty difficult because it carries a stigma of apartments. And I don't want apartments in my backyard is what people will say. And so it, it creates a challenge of getting people to understand what it is and what it isn't. So uh, traditionally, memory care, assisted living, skilled care has had a density. They consider the whole building one dwelling unit. And that's really great for density requirements and traffic because, you know, when you consider a whole building and it could have 200 units in it for assisted living as a one density per acre, and then all of a sudden you want to do active adult. Well, it's each individual unit is counting against your density. So it makes it a lot more challenging and you have to be prepared when we're doing active adult, we want to get involved in the project. You know, a lot of people think of architects, oh, I just get a set of drawings. Um, but we get involved very early with our clients so that we can go to the community meetings and really educate uh, the zoning departments and the community of what it is and what it isn't. So, Lucas, uh, you know, we're here in Tennessee. Lucas, you're in Dallas and Texas and traveling even now much further outside. And Daniel works all over the southeast and Texas and all over the country. As you're touring projects, what are you seeing as people, the excitement and buzz from senior living operators that have traditionally just done maybe independent assisted memory care somewhere in that mix? What are you seeing in in the efforts and energy that people are putting forth in Texas specifically around these uh, type of communities? Yeah, I do think that it is, uh, as we've said, emerging. And there are a number of different products that are currently out in the space. 
And I've seen a couple, you know, there's a, a variety of existing portfolio that is changing hands because of mistakes made by commercial developers that think that this is maybe a quick entry into the senior living industry. And they haven't really put a lot of thought into the design of the community. They think, well, we can just build this as apartments and it's just age restricted. And it oftentimes doesn't work out exactly as they had planned, which leads me to my other question around specifically design. You talked about different architectural uh, ways to influence bringing the outside in. Um, I think it's a term we generally call like more intergenerational living. Um, But aside from those specific architectural aspects that may make it more pleasing to live in, are there some extra thoughts put in while these units are not, you know, they're not designed to be ADA specific units, right? Um, You know, but is this just uh, build an apartment complex, call it 55 uh, plus, or are there some specific attributes that people can design into these communities that may be more of a universal design that older adults may function better in these apartments? We see it a lot where, you know, yes, you just, someone throws up an apartment building, it's 55 plus because that's what the zoning would allow. And, and there's a lot of opportunities for improvements there because it is, it's not just an apartment building. And so if we take the units themselves, I mean, it's anything from what height the, um, the racks are in the closets. You know, if you do a traditional apartment, you know, you've got, you know, them pretty high and the average resident can't reach them to having a nice side-by-side laundry that you can actually walk into, not a closet with a stackable unit that, you know, someone's struggling to, um, you know, move clothes from bending over low and then having to pick up and put in a dryer um, to how we lay out the units and space around the bed. And it, it affects the systems that we put in. And, and these things aren't things that cost mon- extra money. It's just thoughtfulness. And, and as you want, you know, want to age in place and um, have your, your resident there as long as possible, you want to make these small updates and changes and really, really think about the resident and how they'll be using the space. And so it does affect and inform every part of the design. Well, I'll tell you another huge takeaway, and Lucas, you touched on this, um, and this was a theme of the recent event feedback and notes I was taking, is a lot of folks have entered into this space of active adult. Over the last several years, there's actually a lot of active adult product out there of all different kind of shapes and flavors uh, and different programs that are offered. Uh, from social to even wellness, now even physician services and health-related services being coordinated into communities. But people are learning and sharing the information. And I heard two completely um, different approaches uh, from large successful operators on the exact same panel, and they have two totally different targets. One was saying, you know what, we over did our amenity spaces and the um, large recreational spaces and lifestyle spaces. And we're going more to a strictly housing model for age restricted. And that's what they're finding to be more successful. And then I heard another that said just the opposite and said, you know what, we're adding FTEs for lifestyle and engagement. And we're actually doubling down on 
bigger bocce ball courts and bigger activity spaces, but it all goes back to their strategic target market, who they're trying to reach, uh, their marketing efforts towards that person. So I'm actually really excited. I'm also excited. Some of our friends and partners at Nick and Nick Map are actually tracking this data now. So it will give us more information um, for those that are investing in this space. And we now have a real melting pot of people developing, building and operating these communities in the aging population, which is really interesting. At the recent event, I've never been at a senior living industry event, which is what this was specifically for active adult, where I saw so many people that I did not know. So you had very traditional housing developers and multifamily developers. You had hotel developers and a small group of senior housing uh, developers all at the same place, sitting around a table, scratching our heads, thinking, how do we better do active adult? Which I think, to me, better together. That was the only thing I could think of because each of those different sectors brings a little bit different um, expertise to basically provide housing and services for an aging population. So Daniel, as we start thinking about rounding this out, where do you think the biggest opportunities are for those developers right now when you start thinking about senior housing in general as far as tapping into the active adult market? Is it more of the freestanding or are you seeing that this is part of a continuum of care or what has been the most popular so far? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I, I don't know if I'm going to answer it directly because I think the more flexibility you can have with your, your site as well to add on things as the market changes, because I think this is what we've seen with this sector and it, as it's evolving is that it's not very cookie cutter. I mean, you'll get a resort style, like, you know, 100 acre campus that you would never even need a car because you're never going to leave um, to uh, something that looks more like a hotel. It's a very affordable model, but everything that you could ever want to do or experience is right outside your door. And so, and it's part of the community fabric. So you are, you're walking down the street and you're taking your dog to the city park and things like that. So it's really kind of all over the map. And I would say each, each community is going to have a different lesson opportunity to really get in, plug into the community and see how can you leverage the assets you already have at your disposal. And so, and, and really engage with the, the ingredients that are already there. So successful projects, uh, successful operations. Talk about team composition where you're seeing the smoothest process from vision to reality. What does that team composition, who's around the table and when are they around the table? Yeah, I think the earliest the team can get together, even before, a, you know, if a market has been targeted as, hey, this is, there's demand here. And this is a, this is a location we'd want to be. Get your design team, get your civil engineers, get your operator, get everyone to the table and start strategizing and, and really looking at the, the opportunities there to bring the community together and start working on the site together. Don't wait till you get through all your entitlements and you proffer everything and then find out that it's not the right site or, or something's not going to work with the program that you selected or the, you know, you know, wait till you, oh, I can just create a building and then we'll, any operator can operate my building. You know, don't, don't wait to define your program until the very end. And, and so, um, yeah, just, just get a great team together and, and start working on it. Cool. 
Well, last thing I want to touch on um, is uh, just to talk a little bit about the things you've been doing some international work that I think is kind of interesting and, and doing some cool things to give back. You want to tell a little bit about that and what you're part of? We get excited about our purpose project. So right now we're we've got a product in Nigeria, which is really doing a lot of the things that we're talking about doing here today. And so that community is going to be ground up five acre campus in Nigeria. And it is it's bringing two groups together, which we're just extremely passionate about it. Orphan children and orphan seniors together to live together, to thrive together and to learn from each other. And so we feel like that's not just a mandate of um, something that we need to do because we're doing it in a professional realm, but this is our God-given mandate to take care of the the least of these and the, the widows and the orphans. Wow, Lucas, um, I think me and you, we need to figure out how Bridge the Gap tells that story and follows that. That's really exciting. I know I get excited about anything that's multi-generational and intergenerational connecting young and uh, old to, to live and work together. Uh, good times ahead uh, for DK and appreciate all that you do. Yes, we love hearing that story. And, you know, there's so many aspects of the senior living industry that really is a calling. And that is not just for the caregivers and the people doing the work inside the communities. It's for vendors and partners of the industry, too, to be a part of that calling. And I really appreciate uh, your passion around this subject and topic and the work that you're doing, not just in the United States, but globally. Daniel, thanks for spending time with us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been great being on. Thanks for having me. And for our listeners out there, we are so thankful that you've tuned in today. Whether you're out exercising or traveling, walking your dog, we really appreciate it. We'd love for you to rate us on iTunes. We'd love for you to also check us out at btgvoice.com. You can see this content and so many others. Connect with us on social. Hit us up on LinkedIn. And we thank you so much for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG Network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.